Hey guys, Jack here. Uh, sorry we're a day late. Uh, a couple quick announcements. First of all, uh, in this episode, uh, towards the end, you'll hear me referring to the hero as villain. Uh, it should be pretty obvious from context, but sorry if that uh, proves to be confusing. I will look to keep the participants in the hand uh, consistent in the future. One other thing, uh, remember to check out our website, justhandspoker.com. There you'll find uh, lots of other analysis, information about our upcoming event uh, in the New York City area, and lots of other great stuff. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in, and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, Zach. Hello. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. All right. We've got another listener hand this week. Uh, this one is from a monthly home game, a 1-2 No Limit Hold'em cash game in the Dallas, Texas suburbs, uh, and this happened... Uh, the end of July at around 9 p.m. Okay, I like the sound of that already. Let's hear it. Yeah, this is 1-2. There are two relevant players in the pot. The hero is 46, an engineering professional, rec player, uh, that takes the game seriously. Uh, He doesn't think the other players know how much time he spends studying the game, but they definitely recognize that he pretty much always wins in the game. Uh, He's been hosting this game. Okay, so this is his game. He's been hosting the game for 10 plus years, and his play has certainly evolved over the years, where other regulars in the game basically play the same way every month. Uh, There's a core of three to four players that have been there since day one, and the rest are floaters in and out. Uh, He says, if I had to label myself, I would say tag, but lately I've been loosening up, but in a smart way, he adds, uh, as I've learned more about rates and frequencies, etc. Okay. Good way to to loosen up, the smart way. I agree. Just hands endorsed. So the villain in this hand is 45, a sales guy who our correspondent met in another neighborhood tournament. Uh, He is not a day one-er, but has been coming for a couple of years fairly regularly. Okay, and this guy plays in other casinos, and he's very loose and almost reckless. He's the type of guy whose stack will fluctuate wildly, but he's not a maniac. Uh, He does most of this aggression against passive players who fold too much. Also a good idea. Uh, and our hero has noticed that this villain slows down against the hero uh, when hero hangs around the pot or shows aggression. The villain usually gives hero credit for a good hand. Uh, and so I really like this. Our our hero includes some things the villain specifically has done. Uh, so some, spe- some specific things I've seen him do. Likes to donk multi-way raised pots with second pair. Will just barrel a lot in general. <laughs> Will raise most ace-x holdings pre-flop, capable of turning a made hand into a bluff. Okay. So, reminder, this is 1-2. Our hero has $350, uh, and our villain has $210. Okay. Pre-flop action. We are 10-handed, under the gun, and under the gun plus 2 limp. Hero is middle position, and limps along with queen of hearts, deuce of hearts. Uh, So, let's stop and talk about that limp. I think yeah. ten handed I would say this is this is loosening up not the smart way. Yeah, this, this is my just, first reaction. <laughs> this should just be a fold. Uh yeah. This is just not a hand that will play particularly well either in a big limped pot or in any other way. Uh yeah, this this is one where save the two bucks and just fold this one. Yeah, this hand has a lot of reverse implied odds, even if you're a really skilled player. So like the type of scenario I imagine calling with this hand is Players are really bad. Everyone's like at least 150 big blinds deep, and it's limp to you on the button. 
that's a scenario where I might overlimp this hand. Maybe the cutoff. But besides that, you know, always folding this hand from early position kind of regardless of the scenario. Yeah. I would probably only really consider limping this on the button and in a super soft game. Yeah. Uh, okay. But as played, uh, our hero calls Queen Deuce of Hearts uh, in middle position and it folds to villain of the cutoff who also limps. Okay. So I guess we're probably rolling out most ASX hands based on the description. Uh, button limps and the blinds call. So there's $14 in the pop flop. We're seven handed. Uh, okay, our villain, or sorry, our hero writes, okay, I know what you're thinking. Just full preflop, and I can't argue with that, but let me try to explain myself. <laughs> okay, uh, I, I'm i always ready to be to have my mind changed. Yes. Uh, all right, our hero writes, it is very common to have a multi-way limped pot in this game. It's also common for everyone to call a preflop raise with almost no breaking point. Uh, I've seen seven callers of a $25 under the gun raise. So this happens a lot either a limp hot or everyone call a raised pot. There's money to be made in this game by doing this. There are several players that will stack off with marginal hands, so I will limp along with suited high card hands, among others that can beat marginal hands. I feel like I can get away from marginal hands myself if necessary. However, in general, I'm raising when I enter a pot for what it's worth. Uh, so given all that information, I still don't blame you if you stop reading now and just reply, full preflop, find some other hands like XXYY to do that with. That would certainly be valuable feedback. However, if you're still interested in the Vietnam, well, we're still interested because I, I think it's actually interesting to go through unusual poker scenarios where maybe we're holding a hand that we shouldn't be holding and have to figure out what to do. I, I still think you should just fold. Uh, obviously, it makes it better if this is a hand where when you end up with a flush, you can get a bunch of money from top pair hands or middle pair hands. But you're just not going to make a strong enough hand with Queen Deuce often enough. And with seven people in the pot, uh, even when you do make a strong hand, you're going to have you know about as much reverse implied odds to worry about as implied odds. Or not maybe not quite as much, but the fact that you are going to have reverse implied odds to worry about makes um, making that strong hand less valuable. And since it'll happen so infrequently, I think you're better off just folding. Okay. Nothing to add there. Yeah, good stuff, Jack. Thank you. Ah, so we have a very favorable flop. Uh, Who are pot... you, Andrew Nimi? Come on. <laughs> pot is $14. Flop comes queen of clubs, jack of hearts, deuce of diamonds. So we have top and bottom pair with a backdoor flush draw. The action checks to me, and I bet $10. Uh, I definitely think you should be betting here. I think given what... I know about this game, I would probably bet larger, at least the size of the pot. Uh, yeah. Larger if I thought I could get away with it. Uh, this is not necessarily a hand that needs so much protection, but, well, yeah, the main reason is just to get more more money in the pot. So, yeah, I would probably bet at least pot, maybe a little larger. But our hero bets $10, villain calls, everyone else folds. Yeah, I think, you know, in in these games, like... It just doesn't really make sense to go for the check raise. People are just not going to be betting their hands. People are going to be checking, you know, two pairs and sets occasionally. Like, you just you just want to bet your hands in these kind of big limp pots. And I think this, you know, this is a little bit of results-oriented results thinking by me. So 
you know, I don't know how this game normally plays. This could easily be an anomaly. But I think this kind of demonstrates part of the flaw of the limping a hand like Queen Deuce is that there's this assumption that when we hit our hand, we're going to get a ton of value. And we just hit our hand and have so far not gotten that much value. And we could, you know, we could still lose this pot. We're still easily in a position that when we're beat or if we uh, end up behind, we're going to very likely put in money, more money in this pot. So in a game where everyone limps and then if they don't hit a strong hand, they just fold, there's a lot less incentive to limp with a hand as weak as Queen Deuce suited. Yeah. So sure, everyone could have had just like some random air that missed and if they had had anything they would have called that's possible but this definitely suggests that people are you know folding at least something or at least some of these like it's it's hard for five people to have totally whiffed this flop so that is definitely evidence towards folding pre-flop okay all right so we're heads up with villain uh and the turn card is the three of clubs so very safe card. It does bring a backdoor club draw. Okay. So I don't see any reason to check here. Uh, and our hero agrees. He leads out $25. One green chip, if that matters. He adds. <laughs> uh, and our villain calls. So, yeah. I think, again, just too small. Like, this is the type of game where, you know, I don't think a queen is ever really going to fold. Going to be pretty inelastic to bet sizing. And, you know, maybe a draw might fold for a pot size bet on the turn, but probably not. <laughs> so just bet bigger, get more value. Yeah, I could I could get behind a bigger bet also. Okay. The pot is eighty four dollars and the river card is Zach, I'll let you guess. Deuce. Not a deuce. Queen? Think, no, not a queen. The river uh, card is the three of diamonds. So we are counterfeit. And the flush comes in. Uh, no, no flush. No flush. Okay. I think I probably like checking in that, you know, our whole assumption is that we're trying to get value from like a worse one pair hand, which is likely a queen and draws. So I think the queens that have us beat aren't going to fold uh, because if we didn't get counterfeited, we were kind of under the assumption they wouldn't fold and we don't want to just kind of change that assumption now because we got counterfeited. Um, and I also think these hands aren't really going to be betting a lot. So I, I think I like check calling a lot of the time, given that like, you know, every straight draw missed, there's not a lot of threes in this villain's range. Uh, so I think kind of check deciding with the intention of, you know, likely calling most of the time. Um, I think it becomes a little trickier if you know villain's gonna correctly maybe thinly value bet like king queen uh but i just think in these games in this setting that's that's not happening and the fact that it was a limped pot definitely takes those kind of better one pair hands that could be bet thinly for value out of the villain's range somewhat yeah and i i'm I'm actually operating on the assumption that villain probably almost never has ace queen king queen or queen jack uh, based on maybe some maybe some queen jack offsuit combos, but I think they probably raise like even if they don't raise queen flop, they're raising the flop or the turn a good percent of the time. So. With queen jack, I think definitely, and you know we we had in the in the description of this film that 
they almost raised all of their ASX combos preflop, and yeah, I think that correlates pretty strongly with raising Queen Jack preflop. Uh, so I think we are rarely not good here, but I wouldn't bet because I think normally we are just getting called uh, as a chop, and we want to give our opponent the opportunity to bluff. Uh, it would be very disadvantageous to let our opponent just fold a misdraw and not give them the opportunity to bluff, especially with a hand that I don't think is going to get called by worse very often. Uh, I think when you get a call, you're almost always chopping. So yeah, I would just check and call. Okay, so what does our villain do in any any analysis? So our villain decides to toss in another green chip uh, to just $25. So... Um, this kind of seems like betting kind of like because I don't want to face a big bet but not really accomplishing much. Yeah, and I think the thing to realize here is like you you almost – this was a bad card for you because you went from almost certainly having the best hand to very often having an equivalent hand to your opponent. But you're you're so rarely beat here. Uh, it's yeah. really, really hard for your opponent to have a better hand. Um, yeah. I, I think – you you could very easily say like with just a, a few very reasonable assumptions that it's impossible for you not to have the best hand. Oh uh, yeah, and then maybe you can bet big, kind of blow yeah, off but, a chop if you could be super confident. But you, we can't be that confident. And yeah, so I I actually you know I think that's a good point, Zach. Like I don't hate just like shoving just to try and push your opponent off a chop. Uh, There's definitely been sometimes in the moment where like. I feel like I can, between hand reading and then like the live read, that I can put someone so squarely on like a hand like that, where I think shoving is good. You know, typically it's it's usually like maybe like on a double paired board or, you know, something like that. But I think it's definitely uh, something to consider. Um, but just with the information we have now, I think it'd be a little ambitious to to go for it because there's just some small percentage of the time where they just have a better hand snapped off and we lose a lot. <laughs> And also, we sort of sacrifice getting any money from bluffs, which I think is possible here. Uh, I don't think for sure. Yeah, for sure. Completely forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. That's why check calling, I think, is definitely the the best play given all the straight draws miss. Mm -hmm. Um, and then villain says, "Oh man, I guess I have to go all in," (laughs) which is awesome. (laughs) And ships at one hundred seventy-three dollars. Uh. So, so what's the size of the pot? Okay, so $25 bet. Our villain, or sorry, our hero writes that right now. He, he writes, so including the $25 in the pot is $132. It's $148 for me to call. Sorry for any math errors. I think it's correct. Uh, I'm just going to take your word for it. It sounds right to me. The final board is queen, jack, deuce, three, three, no flush draws. Uh, got there. Hero has queen, deuce, and... He writes, "Ugh, it seems this happens quite a bit when your two pair when your two pair includes a two. That is that it gets counterfeit." I was really surprised when he shoved all in, and the speech was a little strange. I was betting to get paid by Queen X or Jack X, uh, but would not have been surprised if he folded. Honestly, now that I think about it, I'm not sure why. I know why about the river. For most players in this game, the raise line on the river is never bluff. However, this villain is capable of making big river bet bluffs, but he usually does it out of position, either just continuing to barrel or to put someone to the test. I've picked him off doing this in the past, which is a single pair. So 
I think we've basically already covered our thinking here, which is that you're basically always good, and so you should call. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think villain. our villain seems like they might realize that it's very unlikely that you would have a hand like king-queen or ace-queen. And if you had queen-jack, you probably wouldn't have just bet $25. Uh, or if you had a, you know, a boat or something. So, yeah, I think this is a pretty safe spot for your the villain to put you to the test with another queen. And, you know, given what we know about this villain, it's not impossible that he's bluffing. Uh, we heard, we were just told that this raise all land on the river is never a bluff. Uh, but I think from this villain, it could be a bluff. And either way, I think we just have to call for the chop, even though... We've been taught not to call for the chop for big sizings, but yeah, I think this is a spot where you just call it off, and I think you're almost always good. Yep, okay, so what happens? Okay, our villain does write, uh, he says, I think the riverbed is probably a mistake, maybe a check call, or a bigger lead-out bet, or shove is better, uh, and I we totally agree. I would either shove or check here, and I think checking is probably best. All right, our villain says, I folded. Uh, villain showed his hand anyway. After I think after feeling the same myself, I could maybe find a reason to call. But in general, I don't call off all the money in a limp pot unless I'm more confident in my hand. I was not in this case, so I folded. And I understand that. Like, your queen deuce, like, I, it doesn't feel like a super strong hand. Uh, we are conditioned, I think, correctly to fold to river aggression without a very strong hand. I think, though, this is a spot where you can really work on your hand-reading ability, uh, really think about what hands your opponent might have that beat you. And I think when you think about that, it's it's just really hard to find a hand that your opponent is going to play this way uh, that you lose to. Yep. And so our villain did show his hand, and our villain had jack of clubs, six of hearts. So our villain... Yeah, turn the middle pair into the bluff. Which, uh, I mean, I I think Villain played this hand incorrectly on every street, but it worked out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I, I Hashtag live poker. Yeah, I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't call on the flop or turn. And, you know, I would think that I was representing nothing when I shoved the river. But it worked out, so props to, props to Villain here. He made a play that resulted in him winning about as much money as he could have hoped to. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think to recap, fold the queen deuce pre-flop, and we like the play on the flop and the turn, except I think you can get away with a larger value bet. And then the river is just, I think, a really nice test case for taking your time, thinking about your opponent's range, and I think... If you if you really think through it, you'll come to the same conclusion that we did that it's just really really hard for you to be beat and you got to call it off. Mm-hmm. Oh, so he turned the fluster on the turn as well? No, uh, he had an unsuited hand. Oh, wow. Okay then. Yeah, Jack Six offsuit. Yeah. Also, sounds like a great game. Uh, well yeah. done assembling it. <laughs> oh yeah. All right, Zach. Until next time. Until next time.